Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Adrian Abraham and Ryan Huang. Time for our review of markets in the past month and what we can look forward to in the next. Ryan, what was your top highlight? Yeah, Adrian, I think it has to be cryptocurrencies, specifically what happened to the Luna and as far as the Terra USD, so-called stable coin, not so stable after all. And it really just shows how much of a wake-up call we need in terms of how volatile these things can be. And you have to really be careful in terms of diversification, in terms of our investments, because things can really change very fast, especially in the world of crypto. Yeah, I personally felt that pain. Remember I bought that Cockhill NFT? Oh, how's it doing now? That was okay. That's fine. I mean, the I still get the benefits of that. But I still had a little bit of Ethereum left over. And I could just see it like go down, 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 down every single day. So Yeah, it's very volatile in the crypto space. And I'm glad you got the Cockhill NFT. At least that's working out for you. Yeah, it is. I still need to go back and, uh, you know, try it. Just no time yet. But also, uh, Chicken Ryan, that's also been a... So that's your highlight. That That's another highlight. They're all bad highlights. They're not highlights. <laughs> Well, to help us out with the month ahead, we've got David Kaur. He is the co-founder of The Smart Investor. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ryan. Yes, good morning to you and good morning to Adrian. Hey, what stood up for you in the month of May? Uh, well, I think it was the Chelsea deal, right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to make a financial story out of this. Do you make a bid for it, David? Well, well, no, I did not make a bid for it. I could have done, but I don't think I had four and a half billion pounds sort of lying around doing nothing. But yet the deal was finally done. So Todd Bowley and his Clear Lake Capital was able to buy Chelsea from Roman Abramovich for about four and a quarter billion pounds. And I think it just goes to show how important money is, not only in sport, but also in our daily lives as well. If you haven't got your finances sorted out, then it is going to affect you mentally. And I think in the case of Chelsea, it affected the mentality of the players on the pitch because they were just so concerned Mm. about whether or not they were going to get paid the next week, what was going to happen to the club, and it doesn't really help. And in terms of our daily lives, I mean, we are going through a really tough period at the moment. What with inflation out there and people worried about their jobs, worried about recession, all sorts of things are weighing on people's minds. So it is vitally important that you have money put to one side and somewhere in the region of about maybe three or four months worth of expenses, not not your salary, but if you can put aside three to four months worth of your expenses, then that would actually be able to tide you over just in case the company that you are working for decides to lay you off and retrench you. Yeah, David, you mentioned the Chelsea sale. Now it means that they can finally negotiate contracts once again and avoid losing players like they did with the likes of Antonio Rudiger, Andreas Christensen as well. Let's move our attention to uh, stock markets. What do you actually do when markets are volatile? Well, we saw some of that volatility again last night. I mean, at the end of last week, a lot of people said, oh, everything's uh, done and dusted now. Uh, the stock market's going to move higher simply because Dow Jones had a pretty good week last week. Mm. And then, lo and behold, after the Memorial Day public holiday over in the U.S., markets were open again on Tuesday, and the Dow falls 200 points. The Nasdaq was down about double digits, and so too was the S&P. And then people say, oh, you know, uh, here we go again. And I think we are going to be getting this volatility for quite some time, simply because people don't know what is going on. A lot of people thought that maybe the Fed had signaled that it was going to increase interest rates maybe for the next couple of months. 
And then after that, they weren't going to increase interest rates again, and people breathe a sigh of relief. And then suddenly you get another Federal Reserve governor come up, a guy by the name of Chris Waller, who says that he is prepared to increase interest rates until he sees inflation coming down. And inflation in the U.S. is running at 8%. The Fed fund rate is at 1%. So you work it out for yourself. I mean, how many interest rate increases will be necessary in America for the Fed fund rate to be above the rate of inflation? And I think people got worried again yesterday, and so the stock market fell. But going back to your point, how do you handle stock market volatility? The thing is not to look at the share price, right? Don't focus on the share price at all. And there was a wonderful quote from a guy called Warren Buffett, which I'm sure many of your uh, mm-hmm. listeners are familiar with. And what he said was, games are won by players who focus on what is happening on the pitch, not what is happening on the scoreboard. And this is pretty much the case with investors. If you focus on what your company is doing, rather than focus on the share price, you are going to have a more reassuring time. And as long as the businesses you are investing in is continuing to generate profits and cash, don't worry about the share price because that is for something else, for, uh, for somebody else to worry about, not you as an investor. So that's my way of handling stock market volatility. Hey David, I'm just wondering your approach in the past year. How has it been? Do you advocate a dollar cost averaging approach? Have you been increasing exposure in certain sectors? What have you been doing in the past few uh, months when it comes to readjusting? Well, I don't deliberately focus on dollar cost averaging, but it probably ends up as being dollar cost averaging. What I do is if I have spare cash lying around, I will say, where do I put this money within my portfolio, in the counters, in the shares, in the companies that I consider to be reasonably priced or cheap? And I am continually investing money in the stock market, right? Simply because I know that in five years' time, whatever I buy today is going to be worth more because these companies are going to be worth more. Mm. If you call it dollar cost averaging, fine. But I would say just putting money to work in the stock market in a sensible sort of way so that those companies that I invest in will be able to reward me with cash. And one of my big problems at the moment, because I've been investing for so many years now, Ryan, is that I continually get cash coming into my bank account. And that is a feature of the investing style that I have, which is income investing. And when you are an income investor, expect more income. And that is what generally happens. Or that income has to be put to work. Sometimes I may take some of that income out because I need it myself. But otherwise, it will go back into buying more shares, which, believe it or not, generates even more dividends. But it's a nice problem to have, uh, Ryan. Yeah, David, there's another sort of topic that everyone's very interested in. And it's, you know, how do investors cope with high inflation? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got to invest in companies that have the ability to manage that inflation. And it is what we call pricing power. You have to invest in companies that have the ability to increase prices if it is going to impact their business. And there are many of these companies around. Some of them are in what we call the consumer staples sector. So if you think about things like soap powder, food, the stuff that you have to generally buy on a day-to-day basis, If inflation is affecting their business, whether the inflation is because of uh, logistics problems, higher transportation costs, higher fuel costs, higher input costs, they will have to pass that cost on to us. And it is that ability to pass on that higher cost to we consumers. uh, Those are the kind of companies that I generally like. So if you think about it, soap powder companies, I mean, there's a few over in America. There are some in Japan and certainly some here in Singapore. 
And these kind of companies, if inflation was affecting their business, they will put up uh, their prices. Does that mean that Ryan and yourself and me are going to do less washing? Probably Mm -hmm. not. We're probably going to do the same amount of laundry as we did before. We may try and find ways in which we can maybe not do any laundry until we have a full load in the machine or something. But these are the companies that have the ability to increase uh, prices as and when they need to. So that is how I cope with inflation. First of all, I spend a little less. I am less wasteful with whatever I use at the moment. But at the same time, I am very mindful that whatever money I have needs to be put to work in order to beat that inflation. Hey, David, talking about rising, what's also going up is the US dollar. It's been gaining strength in the past year. So for the dollar index, it's up around 13% year on year. So this is, I guess, no surprise if the rate hikes and more to come. How do you see the US dollar playing out in the coming year and how will this impact investors? Well, I think, it, well, first of all, I mean, if, if you invest in companies that are generating revenue and profits in US dollars, then you will be in some ways covered by the fact that the US dollar is rising. Because as an investor, if they're going to be paying out their dividends in US dollars, uh, you are going to be okay. But I think the big worry, of course, is the rising US dollar is going to put pressure on some of the emerging market currencies. We saw last month, Ryan, that Malaysia increased its interest rates, despite the fact that the Bank Negara Malaysia said there was no need to increase interest rates because inflation was under control and everything was all right. But I think when they were looking over their shoulders at America, they thought, oh, my goodness, America is increasing interest rates. If we don't do something about our interest rates, then we're going to see an outflow of money from Malaysia uh, to U.S. dollars. And that is the last thing they want. They don't want any pressure on their currencies. So I think the U.S. dollar will probably remain strong. I'm not a currency expert, but I just have this feeling that because America is in that position to increase interest rates, that it is going to be probably one of the stronger currencies out there. And if you want to play, for want of a better word, the U.S. dollar, then invest in U.S. dollar assets. So either American stocks or companies that generate their revenue or the bulk of their revenue and profits in U.S. dollars, Ryan. Yeah, much much uh, better, you know, to do invest in U.S. dollars. It'll be, uh, you know, the best thing to do right now. Also, David, making the headlines is uh, China's reopening. Tell us more. Fantastic. Fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Shanghai finally is going to reopen. A lot of people were having a look at behind-the-scenes puzzle between uh, the Premier Li Keqiang and also the President Xi Jinping. I mean, Xi Jinping wants a zero-COVID strategy, whereas Li Keqiang says, well... If we have to do a COVID strategy, we're going to decimate the entire economy and we're not going to hit our growth targets by the end of this year. So there seems to be some kind of compromise at the moment, some kind of relaxation uh, in Shanghai, but it's not a total relaxation. There are still going to be certain restrictions and people are going to have to demonstrate that they have been vaccinated. So maybe China is looking at ways in which it can cope with COVID-19 and live with COVID-19. But for the rest of the world, Shanghai going back to work is good news. It means that some of that supply chain problem that we've had in the past could be resolved. And I think more importantly for the Fed, they will be saying if China can start producing again, and we mustn't forget that China is the second largest economy in the world, if they can start producing again, maybe that will ease some of the pressure on the Fed to have to increase interest rates because of inflation. Because it is 
in part the shutdown of China that is causing some of the problems in terms of inflation around the world. Mm, and Chinese stocks did price in some of that optimism with the um, Chinese shares hitting five-week highs yesterday. Um, David Kuo, co-founder of the Smart Investor with us. And David, taking a look back at the first five months of this year, we saw the SCI year-to-date up over 13%. Not bad. And some of the winners include the likes of Sengkop Industries up over 40%. Jardin Second Carriage, also high by over 40%, and Capital Corporation up 34.6%. David, looking at the gains from these companies, what's the upside left among Semcorp, Jardin Second Carriage, and Capital Corporation? Well, I'm glad you looked at the first five months of this year, Ryan, rather than to look at just what was happening last month. Because I do want people to take a slightly longer-term view And if we have a look at how the SPI has performed in the first five months of this year, it hasn't been that bad. And there have certainly been some winners in the first five months of this year. So it's not as though as a result of COVID-19, everything has been flushed down the toilet. Far from it. And if you have a look at companies like, say, Semcor Industries, that was up 40%, 42% in the first five months of this year, simply because it is doing the right sort of thing. And if it continues to do the right sort of thing, then I would expect the share price to continue to strengthen. And it isn't just a Semcor Industries. I mean, if you have a look at Jardine Cycling Carriage, Ryan, I mean, that has um, risen about sort of 42% also mm-hmm. in the first five months of this year, primarily because Indonesia is reopening. Indonesia, Indonesia's economy is up about 5% this year. And so when you have a look at what is happening as a result of the reopening of economies, you have to take heart and you have to be encouraged by how well these businesses are doing. And uh, in a similar vein to Semcor Industries, we've also got Keppel Corporation. And just like Semcor, they are also moving into renewable energy, sustainable energy, sustainable businesses. And this, I think, is something that will propel them for many years to come because we do need more sustainable businesses, we need more sustainable investments, and we do need, generally, a more sustainable way of living, Ryan. Yeah, going green is a new black. And if you look at the top losers for the past five months, we've got Capo DC Reed, right at the bottom, down 16.6%. Maple Tree Logistics, down over 13%. And Maple Tree Commercial Trust, lower by 11%. David, where is the pressure coming from? Well, I think it's coming from interest rates. A lot of people equate the performance of REITs to the performance of bonds. So generally, when we have a look at bonds, when interest rates go up, bond prices come down. And something similar is happening in the case of REITs or real estate investment trusts. But we mustn't ignore the fact also that these are not bonds. I mean, these are property assets. And in a high inflation environment, I would expect uh, property assets to perform quite well. When we have a look at these three companies, their performance hasn't been that bad. The only one that is probably a little disappointing has been Maple Tree Logistics, simply because logistics has been interrupted by COVID-19 and the disruption in uh, the movement of ships and planes all around the place. But in general, I would say these companies are doing okay and their time will come. But it's just that at the moment, maybe people are more interested in other things, such as clean energy and maybe in some cases, uh, the financial counters 
like the banks, because they will also be another beneficiary of rising interest rates, Ryan. Hopefully, with the reopening story playing out, that will be some tailwinds for these REITs. Supreme Chairman David Kuo, he's the co-founder for The Smart Investor. David, thanks as always for your time, and we'll catch up again with you soon. Okay, thank you so much. You have a great day. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.